Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Horror Nights In with your host, me, Crystal. So tonight we will be discussing The Devil's Candy. I will be giving you my honest and horrific opinion, and if this is the first time you've heard my voice, shame on you, but hello and welcome. I upload a new episode of Horror Nights In every Saturday night around 9pm Eastern Standard Time because I have no boyfriend or husband that I know of. And be sure to follow me on all my social media platforms. So if you've never heard one of my podcasts, uh, what I do is I give you the Rotten Tomatoes rating, the IMBD rating, and then I go through my own kind of rating system. I give you a synopsis of the movie, and I also go into a very detailed explanation of the movie. Um, and then at the end, I kind of add in like any little Easter eggs I found, any fun facts. So... Let's get started. So Rotten Tomatoes gave The Devil's Candy a 90% with 64% of the audience liking it. And IMBD gave it a 6.4 out of 10. The Devil's Candy was released on March 17th, 2017 to limited screenings with a running time of only 80 minutes. It was directed and written by Sean Byrne, who also directed The Loved Ones. Uh, Disclaimer, there are spoilers in my podcast. So the synopsis of this horror movie is that an artist and his family move into their dream home. When he is possessed by an evil dark force, they need to fight to save their souls. So before I even started the movie, I wrote at the synopsis and it immediately reminded me of the Amityville horror, uh, The Conjuring, and I was a little skeptical before I hit play. Um, even with its high rating on both Rotten Tomatoes and IMBD. All right, let's get started. So right from the beginning, I didn't recognize Ethan Embry as the main character of Jesse. Uh, I knew him from Sweet Home Alabama, Can't Hardly Wait, and Vegas Vacation. So he usually played the very vanilla, non-controversial character in most of the movies I've seen him in. But in this movie, he's completely transformed. He has long, shaggy hair, beard. Um, he's covered in tattoos. He's also really shredded, too. Like, he's got, like, a really sick body in this movie. Uh, so overall, I was very into this person that he was portraying. Um, so the movie starts, and we see, like, this cute little house, which I have to assume is where the majority of where the film will take place. I also have to assume this is the backstory of the house. Uh, we are first introduced to Ray. He is played by Pruitt Taylor Vince. Um, I love this actor. Uh, he was in Identity and he was also in The Cell. Um, side note, I don't know if you guys remember the movie The Cell, but it literally scarred me as a child because, well, you know, I watched it as a child. Uh, but I do not like that movie. It's one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Uh, but shout out to Jennifer Lopez for killing it. But I'll never watch that movie again. It's ugh, so disturbing. Anyways, uh, it seems Ray is being play plagued by some strange whispering. And the only way he can block it out is if he plays his electric guitar really loud. His elder mother, upon hearing the guitar playing, runs into his room and yells, you're going back to the hospital because he's saying, mom, I have to play the guitar so loud because I have to drown out the voices. Um, so I have to assume when she says the hospital, it means the mental institution. Um, but for, before he can be taken back, the weird whispering starts again. 
and um, he takes his guitar and hits his mother over the head with it, and she falls down the stairs and ultimately dies. Um, as this is happening, the crucifix that was on the wall swings upside down. Um, we also see his elderly father come home, and we can all guess Ray kills him too. Um, just a side note here. So when a cross is being turned upside down, does a priest need to like be on set to fix it, like to turn it back the other way? I feel like if I worked on a movie set and there were some upside down crosses, I'd ask for some, I'd ask for some prayers or like a church rep to oversee the place because I do not fuck with upside down crosses. No, thank you. So, <laughs> uh, we are then introduced to our family who is made up of Jesse, who I mentioned earlier, um, who is played by Ethan Embry, who is a struggling painter, um, who's struggling painter, but he's a metalhead, hardcore tat painter. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I also want to note that the music in this movie definitely gave me some Rob Zombie director vibes. The music was actually composed by Michael Yazerski, along with the help of Sono and Mads Heldbrig. Um, so just wanted to clarify that because I really did I really liked the idea of the music in there. There was like Metallica in there and it was just really, really, it was, it was really dope to see that kind of music in a horror movie. Um, so then we meet Zoe who is played by Kira Glasgow, uh, who is a spinning image of her movie, dad loving metal and headbanging. Uh, she also has a press on tattoo of a red flying V, um, which is a pretty expensive guitar and, um, it's important to note this as we get further into the movie. Um, we are then introduced to his wife, Astrid, played by Sherry Appleby, who I freaking love. She was in Swim Fan. So I was happy to see that she was still doing her acting thing. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Jesse is obviously a painter who works on commission. He is currently working on a piece for a local bank. And it's pretty vanilla with butterflies against the landscape. Um, nothing metal about it, according to his daughter, Zoe, uh, which is actually one of her opening lines in the movie. Um, so this metal headbanging family is going to check out a home for sale. And, um, I have to say the actress that plays Zoe, the, uh, the daughter, she's stunning. She's the prettiest blue eyes. And I hope to see that she continues her acting career because I'd love to see what she does in the future. Um, so anyway, they are going to check out a house, and what do you know, it's the house from the beginning of the movie. Um, we also see there is an additional storage space behind the house where Jesse's art studio will be. Um, the realtor then tells Jesse and Astrid there were two deaths in the house, and he basically says, and, you know, the old lady being raised mother tripped and fell down the stairs, and her elderly husband just died from a broken heart. Obviously, you know that's not true uh, because they were both killed by Ray. Um, the next scene, we are back with Ray. And I have to assume he's running from the cops because he just murdered his parents. Um, or the cops actually thought it was a mistaken fall and the elderly man just um, just died, like I said, of a broken heart. So it doesn't really clarify too much there. But anyways, he's pulling into a hotel and um, he's getting a room for the night. And as he's getting a room for the night, um, the voices that were in that that we heard in the beginning of the movie are still in his head. 
Um, so I'm wondering, like, is he schizophrenic? Is he possessed? Did the house possess him? Has he been possessed? I'm not 100% sure at this point. So now we're back with the metal family. And mom and dad, Jesse and Ashton, decide to buy the house. And I gotta say, I love the vibe of this couple and the movie. Jesse's obviously very heavy into metal. Um, but Astrid is more like hippie, earthy, bohemian kind of vibe. Um, so the next scene is their move-in sequence. And you can tell the family is super happy, loving. They don't have a ton of money, but they're very supportive of each other. Um, they only have one car. Um, so, But Astrid, the mom, is basically saying she's going to take two buses to get to the hair salon every day. Which, you know, it just shows they're very dedicated to their family and making things work. Even though they don't have a ton of money. Um, now we're back to Ray who is playing his, his electric guitar in the hotel room and he gets a knock at the door from the, from the sheriff, uh, for a, a noise complaint. Um, at this point I felt bad for Ray. He obviously has mental problems and he's just trying to get rid of the voices in his head. Um, and I have to assume the voices are telling him to, to kill people. Um, so back to the family, with moving into a new house, Zoe is forced to change schools. So we aren't given too much insight on her academic life, but as a kid who moved around all the time, like, I feel her pain, my dad was in the Air Force, I know it sucks starting a new school. Um, so Jessie's kind of giving her words of encouragement, saying like, you know, you're going to be okay, we're here for you, you're going to make this work. Um, so he drops Zoe off at school, and then he heads back home. And when Jesse is home by himself, we have to assume that Astrid is at work. As I mentioned previously, she works at a hair salon. Um, so he comes home and he starts hearing the eerie whispering that Ray is already accustomed to. So it's the same weird, it's not in English, um, whispers in his head. Um, he follows the noise into Zoe's room and he takes down a poster and behind it is a dark outline of a cross, which was the same one from the first scene of the movie that swung upside down when Ray was killing his mother. So it's just the outline of the cross, not the actual cross. Um, we then follow Jesse into his art studio and he starts painting like crazy. Um, he's in some kind of trance until Astrid comes home and pulls him out to reveal that he's painting it an upside-down cross the entire time. So we already know how I feel about upside-down upside crosses, so we're going to move on. <laughs> um, so the next scene, their, their doorbell rings, and it's Ray. Uh, he's staring at Zoe, but not really in a menacing way, and he notices uh, he, that she has the press-on flying V tattoo of the guitar, um, they start talking about the guitar and we find out that Ray owns the exact same one and uh, obviously Zoe gets really excited. She starts talking about it and saying she's always wanted one. Um, Jesse and Astrid get wind of Zoe talking to the strange man and Ray, um, you know, they kind of like, what are you, they kind of start to question him. What are you doing here? And Ray immediately tells them he needs to come home and that his, this is his mommy and daddy's home. Um, so obviously we know that he he used to live there. Um, Jesse then tells him he needs to leave and basically just slams the door in his face. Um, but Ray continues to, to ring the doorbell like incessantly and Jesse threatens to call the police. But uh, Ray then stops and backs away from the door. 
Um, his wife and daughter confront him, basically judge him for being so mean to a mysterious man who clearly has mental issues. Um, I do too at this point because I got to assume it m- might be from the evil voice inside his head. Um, but I'll revisit a theory I have for this scene uh, later in the podcast. So we then see that Jesse is getting more into his head with these voices. And it looks it looks like they're kind of behind on their bills. Um, because we have to assume that he has not given the bank um, the mural yet that he's creating with the butterflies. He is also staring into his computer. Um, which is a photo of the upside-down cross that he painted. Um, Also, another part of this movie is when the voice creeps into his head, everything else around him goes mute. Um, The same thing for Ray. It kind of sounds like they're underwater, which is a really cool effect of the movie because it kind of shows that the voice, it feels like we're the ones who also have the voice inside of our head because everything around us is going mute. Um. So the next morning, as Jesse and Zoe are leaving uh, to drop her off at school, they stop and they see that the red flying V is sitting inside the gate. Zoe is obviously freaking out because she's wanted this guitar for so long. She's asking if she can keep it. But Jesse says, no, we can't keep that. Like, he's a stranger. Like, he, we don't know if it's, you know, whatever. So um, she's obviously upset about it. Um, so after... Jesse drops Zoe off at school. The next scene is Jesse going into some like hoity-toity art museum. And apparently the owner rejected his first profile. Uh, but Jesse is saying like, I have a muse now, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. the weird voices in his head. <laughs> and he, he hands the receptionist a um, like a USB drive and she opens it on her computer and it's the upside down cross. Uh, He recalls her receptionist that he doesn't remember painting it. Um, She opens a thumb drive and it seems like she's pleased to see it and says she will see what she can do. And Jesse looks shocked, but definitely pleased. Um, So this next scene switches back and forth between Jesse and Ray. Um, Jesse is looking for his muse again, aka the devil. And it looks like Ray is parked in some random parking lot, or I'm sorry, in a random park. Um, It looks like it's a little secluded. There's um, like trees covering and there's a swing. The music is building and Jesse starts off by staring at a blank canvas, but then switches to the butterfly mural that is supposed to be for the bank. So um, now it seems like both characters are under the spell of this weird voice. Uh, Ray is sneaking up on two little boys just playing and Jesse is going in on this butterfly mural. Uh, The music is growing super intense as Ray picks up a rock and smashes it into one of the little boys' head. Uh, Before we see the rock make contact, it switches back to Jesse who has painted the same little boy into his huge bank mural. But the boy's eyes are blacked out as well as his mouth. Uh, finally Jesse comes to and is surprised to see that it's completely dark out and he's forgotten to pick up Zoe from school. So he lost a shit ton of time during his day that he was painting and, um, he basically, he, you know, he's forgotten to pick up his daughter from school. So by the time he gets there, you know, she's pissed, 
Um, so in a way to con her back into liking him, he lets her keep the guitar from Ray. Um, she also made him swear on his grave that he would never be late again. And of course he says, I swear on your grave, I'll never be late to pick you up again. Um, so it seems that whenever Ray is killing someone, it's in correlation to Jesse trance painting. Um, the next scene is a little disturbing because we see Ray has wrapped the still alive little boy in this blanket and is bringing him into his hotel room and proceeds to cut apart his body. Uh, of course, we don't see any of this, but we can assume because Ray has a, a saw in his hands and he's going back into the bathroom and where the little boy is. And, um, the camera pan and, um, the camera then switches back to, um, to Jesse. Um, then the camera pans out and we see the painting, the butterfly mural that he's completely transformed in full. And it looks like there's four to five other children in the painting and one of them being Zoe. Astrid walks into the studio, sees that her you know, baby daddy has painted their daughter on fire in this mural. And Jesse says he doesn't remember painting any of it. And they're both kind of looking at it like in like awe and disgust. And Astrid tells him to destroy it. And he says he can't because these children are begging to be let out. Um, so I want to pause for a sec. I actually despise movies with children being killed. So I'm hoping in the next 40 minutes I don't see any more kids uh, being cut up. Um, I have younger siblings and I hate seeing anything with kids being murdered. Um, but of course I finished the movie because I wanted to know what happened and for the sake of my podcast. <laughs> um, so it looks like Ray has cut the little boy's body up and put it into his suitcase to bury. Um, and Jesse is having nightmares about Zoe being burned alive, which is what he painted on this mural. Um, Jesse wakes up from this nightmare, covered in sweat, runs into his art studio, and he's wanting to destroy the mural, but stops as the eerie whispering gets louder. Um, so basically, the the way that it looks is Jesse is standing in front of this in front of this huge art mural with a box cutter knife in his hands, and um, but he puts it down as the voices come back, and he actually picks up picks up the art brush instead or paintbrush instead. Um, we then go back to Ray, who is, who is, um, who dug into the ground and is pulling out three other suitcases, which I assume are other dead children. Um, and he, he puts the newest suitcase on the bottom. Um, we go back to Jesse. His bank butterfly mural has evolved even more and the camera pans out again. And we see there's some kind of three headed dog on top of the burning children, with multiple set of eyes and there's more fire behind it. Um, very disturbing, um, painting if I do say so myself, but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so now we see that somehow Ray has broken into his old home where the family is living, um, AKA our family's new home and is now laying in bed next to Zoe telling her that he that he wanted it to be her, but he said no because she is special. Um, so safe to assume that whoever this voice is inside of Ray's head wanted Zoe dead, but Ray said no. Um, obviously this wakes Zoe up 
she starts screaming. Starts screaming. Uh, her mother comes running, also starts screaming. Um, this frightens Ray, so he runs out, runs down the stairs, out the door. Uh, but as he's about to go out the door, he's confronted by Jesse. Uh, but Ray fights him off and kicks him in the face. Um, Jesse tries to run after him, but he's completely out of date. You know, she, he's in a daze because he just got, you know, kicked in the face by this guy. Um, and Ray gets into his car and nearly runs him over, but he, but Jesse runs out of the way or jumps out of the way. Um, so they call the police and the sheriff comes and tells them they should stay at a hotel for the next few days. And I'm like, oh my God, please God, don't let it be the same as Ray. Um, they also suggest that the family change their locks because there's no sign of forced entry. Uh, so for safety measures, in addition to the sheriff in front of their house all night, Jesse is sitting in front of the door with a baseball bat and is literally seeing red. He's having visions of like killing Ray and, uh, the eerie voices there, the music is playing. So it's just, it's super intense, um, for those, uh, few moments. Um, I also have a question. Wouldn't the locks be changed upon their move-in date? Like why would they... Like, whenever I move into, like, a new apartment or something, they change the locks and I get a new key. Um, or, you know, you get, like, a new pin to get inside of the house and the old one's deleted. So I don't really understand why when this family moves into this home, the locks weren't changed and they were... Sorry, they were given... Why weren't they given, like, a new set of locks and keys? So it's weird, especially if there's, like, a... Especially if there's, like, deaths in the house and, like, I don't know. It's a movie, right? Crystal, it's a movie. Shut up. Keep going. <laughs> um, so the next morning, Zoe asks to go to school because she feels safer there. Um, and it's got to suck for Jesse when his own daughter doesn't feel safe at, at home or with him. Um, I also wanted to note that Jesse's appearance becomes more and more dirtier as he progresses into his, like, possession. Um, in the beginning, he only has small amounts of paint on his hands or in his clothes, and now he uh, he has, like, paint on his arms and his face. His hair is really stringy, really dirty. Kind of reminds me a little of Kurt Cobain mixed with Otis from House of a Thousand Corpses. It's definitely the vibe I was getting at this point. Uh, so after dropping Zoe off at school, he then gets a phone call from the, the art gallery. Uh, the art director liked his upside-down cross-painting and wants to see what else he's working on, a.k.a. demon, child, fire-burning, three-headed dog thing that's in his studio. Uh, so he sets up an appointment at 2 for the art director to see his painting. And I wonder if, you know, something's going to happen to the art director. Um, I wonder if he's going to, I don't know, kill the art director. At this point, I don't even know what I was thinking in this movie because I was just disturbed by the whole thing. <laughs> um... So Jesse is already on edge because one, he needs to get Zoe from school by 3 p.m. Two, demons are talking to him. Three, Ray might come back, but the art director isn't letting him leave. Yeah, at this point. So the art director goes and looks at his painting and loves it and says, you're, you know, you're beautifully disturbed painting. Um, and he's... He's like, oh, you know, great. I'm glad you like my painting. Like, I have to go pick up my daughter. And then the art director says something about sacrificing. And he's late to get Zoe again. Um, in an effort to try and get to her on time, he's speeding and he pops the tire in his car. So with all this, you know, 
with all this panning out, I have to assume now that Ray has kidnapped Zoe. And the music at this point is also very super intense. Um, and, and I assumed right. Ray has kidnapped Zoe and has her tied and bound in his hotel room. Um, I assume maybe she started walking home from school and Ray hit her over the head with a rock and threw her in the back of his car. Um, she's also bound in duct tape. So uh, we also see that her that uh, she had a head wound. Um, it's still bleeding. And Ray dips his finger into her, in her wound and tastes her blood and said, he was right, you are the sweetest candy. So I guess the devil's candy is kids, which is so disturbing. Um, another part I have to mention is that Ray is always watching the religion channel whenever he chops up these kids. Um, they are also um, intercepting scenes of Jesse and Astrid realizing that their daughter has been kidnapped. Um, so we go back to Ray and Zoe. We see Ray, or I'm sorry, we see Zoe struggling against the duct tape in the bathroom as Ray begins to remove his jacket and shoes. Um, Zoe ends up getting a piece of the duct tape undone and is rolling herself around to undo the rest of it. Uh, this is the part of the movie that I was like, hurry, 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 hurry. Um, my neighbors are probably so confused. Like, what is she doing in her apartment? She's so weird. (laughs) Um, so just as he's about to open the bathroom door, Zoe escapes through the bathroom window and she finds her way to the police station. So good for her. Um, so mom and dad get to the the station to reunite with Zoe, who is clearly traumatized. Um, she doesn't even look at her father before she says, you swore in my grave like you'd never be late, um, which is from the first time he was late picking her up. Uh, so we see that Jesse is clearly just completely defeated at this point. Um, so we then find out from the sheriff department that Ray has been doing this sort of behavior since he was 12. Uh, which was when he was put into a psychiatric hospital for 20 years. Um, Jesse asked, did they know why he was doing this? And the sheriff said it was because he needed to feed him children and children were his candy. So obviously the name of the movie. Pretty cool. Um, The sheriffs then suggest the entire family need to go into the witness protection program until they find Ray. Uh, The family agrees. They all go back to the house and start packing up to leave. So the next scene is Jesse taking the same box cutter to his dead children mural and finally ripping it to shreds, signifying that he has defeated the voices and he's, you know, broken from his trance possession. Uh, We are then with, we are, we then go back to Astrid and Zoe who are inside the house. And just as they're about to leave to go outside, um, we hear a car rubbing and screaming immediately. Um, I have to assume it's Ray slamming into the, slamming his car to the two sheriffs parked outside waiting for the family. Um, so all the while we, we, we just hear the screaming and, um, Astrid slowly opens the front door to see the one sheriff is trapped between the two cop cars and Ray picks up a rock and then hits her over the head with it. So now we're in the last 15 minutes of the movie. The music is getting really loud and all hell is literally about to break loose. 
Ray then hits the other sheriff over the head with a rock, grabs the sheriff's gun, uh, while uh, Astrid, or I'm sorry, while the whole family is inside the house, like, just freaking the fuck out. Uh, the poor, this, this poor child, Zoe, is going to need some serious therapy after this. Um, Ray then starts shooting into the house as he gets closer. Jesse tells Astrid and Zoe to run as Ray is getting closer to the door. Jesse grabs a baseball bat, the same one that he had from previously, and waits as Ray uses his key. Uses his key, guys. Uses his key to get into the house. Um, and remember, the sheriff's department told them to change their locks, considering that Ray had occupied the home before them. Like, there's these little things that you could have done. Like, you could have changed the locks, given yourself a little bit more, bought a gun. I don't know. Um, Jesse tries to sneak up on him to hit him over the head, but Ray sees him. Then proceeds to shoot him as Jesse runs away. So we have to assume that Jesse is dead after a few shots in the back. Uh, so now Ray is looking for uh, Astrid and Zoe. He finds them in a locked room. Um, he shoots the door handle and walks into the room. Astrid and Zoe are screaming, no, we don't see any of this. We're still on the outside of the door. And we hear one gun gunshot, which I have to assume is him shooting Astrid. Because uh, then we see Ray dragging Zoe out of the room past her father's dead body. All the while, she's screaming and fighting to get away. So, like I said, definitely some serious therapy if she survives this for the whole family, too. Let's get some family therapy. Um, the house is quiet for a few moments until we see Ashton crawling out of the room that she was shot in. And the camera pans over Jesse's body and the open front door. We then see Ray is holding on to Zoe and re-entering the house with a gas can. Ray, seeing Astrid still alive, puts the barrel of the gun to her forehead and pulls the trigger. But the gun clicks, signifying it's out of bullets. Ray keeps trying to pull the trigger at this point to see it, like, you know. But he gives up and just drags Zoe up the stairs. All the while, he's spilling gasoline all over the stairs. And then he lights the staircase on fire, preventing anyone from getting to them. I assume he's dragging her into her bedroom uh, where we saw the first scene. So at this point, the house is pretty much going up into flames. And Astrid is trying to wake up Jesse. And Jesse is not dead. Um, he actually opens his eyes and just very quietly asks, like, where is she? Um, so the next scene is Ray and Zoe in her bedroom, which is pretty much filled with fire now because he poured more gasoline on the floor and lit it on fire. Um... Ray tells Zoe, he he goes, shh, like, be quiet, because Zoe's obviously screaming and whispers, like, look at him, and the camera pans, and all we see is flames, so we have to assume, we have to assume that Ray is seeing the devil in front of him. Um, then we cut to Jesse pulling Zoe outside, and the camera pans up to Zoe's bedroom, which is pretty much almost in flames. Jesse then grabs a ladder to get to his daughter. He breaks open the window and upon seeing this, Zoe bites down on Ray's hand and gets out of his grip. Jesse has a rock in his hand, and he gets on top of Ray and starts beating his face in with a rock. So a little full circle here. Um, but Ray pushes Jesse off, and he literally walks through the flames to get to Zoe. But not before Jesse grabs the guitar and beats the shit out of him. And he's also dousing himself in blood at this point, too. 
Um, this scene is pretty awesome with Jesse just mutilating the shit out of Ray with his own guitar. Um, this is the Flying V guitar too, side note. Um, the gas can then explodes and there's literally just like a wall of fire between Jesse and Zoe. Ray is dead at this point. Uh, Jesse uh, begs with Zoe to jump saying like, just jump through, like, I'll catch you, just trust me. Uh, and she does, and Jesse does catch her. So the family nearly escapes out of the burning house, but Jesse wanders off and starts digging into the ground by their home, and I have to assume he's digging up the suitcases um, because he gets a flashback of him telling Astrid uh, he needs to, you know, get these children out of him. Uh, he recovers them, and a light, shines down on him and he starts crying and then we're hit with the credits so um I'm just gonna give you some afterthoughts now so it kind of reminded me of a modern day portrayal of the archangel Michael who is stronger than Satan and defeats him but obviously this movie is with more of a modern and metal twist um so the book of Revelation describes a war in heaven in which Michael being stronger defeats Satan after the conflicts in heaven, Satan is thrown to earth along with the fallen angels where he still tries to lead the world astray. Um, which is why I kind of mentioned, which is why I said in the end, like a light kind of shines, shines down on him. So I believe that's like him defeating Satan and that's God saying like, hey, thanks, here's some sunlight. Um, <laughs> but I liked the movie. I can understand why it got such a high rating, but as I said earlier, I do not like when kids are killed in movies, but that's just my personal preference. Um, it also gave me the same vibes as Amityville Horror, um, which is one of my favorite horror movies. Um, I probably wouldn't watch it again, but I appreciated the movie and the cinematic work, cutting of the scenes and the lighting. They were all so good. Uh, I really enjoyed that part. Um, I do think there are better horror movies out there, but like I said, this is just my opinion. Um, but I was totally blown away by Embry's performance in this film. Um, I wouldn't expect the same kid from Vegas Vacation to take on this kind of role, but I really loved it. Um, I also have a soft spot for tattooed guys who love metal and struggling artists, so I thought that was a really fresh twist on it, considering a lot of the movies that we've seen previously that have to do with families moving into homes with demonic possession. They're all kind of like clean-cut, cookie-cutter, like, kind of thing, like, kind of struggling, but they're pretty much the, the typical, stereotypical, um, family. Um... I like the actors. I like the music. I watched an interview with Ethan Embry with the rap on YouTube, and he basically explains that the movie is a love story uh, because of how the, his character Jesse would do anything for his daughter and how important and pure that love is. And the devil seeing this obviously wanted to prey upon it and take it away. Um, I would like to know what happens after, but that's just me and my curiosity. I have some questions I want answered, like, what happened to the art deal? I have to assume that that, that didn't go through. What are they going to do now? What are they going to do with the house? Um, does Zoe still hate him? Does Zoe still hate her father? Do the families of the dead kids find peace? Um, but that's just me. I always wonder those things after a movie. 
especially, you know, after the, when the credits roll up, I'm always like, well, what happened with this? What happened with that? And, you know, what about this family? <laughs> you know, so, but that's just me because I always, I need to know everything. <laughs> um, I also said earlier that I had a theory about why Jesse was so judge, like not, not judgment, but was so mean to Ray when he came to his house the first time. I think in... Jesse's mind he he knew that this person was negative evil um and I think his reaction was just this person is not a good person and I'm gonna be mean to him and like I said it's it's that that archangel Michael and Satan theory that I have that really played into that so yeah, that is going to be it for this week's podcast, The Devil's Candy. You can watch this movie on Netflix. Like I said, I I, I liked the movie. I probably wouldn't watch it again. Um, it came up in my suggestion and I gave it a chance. Um, so if you want, definitely watch it. Uh, get, get your own opinion on it. And um, But yeah, that's... So, bottom line, make sure you change the locks on your house when you move (laughs) into a new home. And um, if you start to paint upside down crosses, you should probably uh, bounce and leave your house. (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to be it for this evening's um, podcast of Horror Nights In. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, if you're not following me, please follow me so that because I upload a new podcast every single Saturday. Um, and be sure to let me know what your favorite scary movie is so I can give you my honest and horrific opinion on it. All right, guys. Until next time, I will see you later.